I want to read a portion of scripture from Mark chapter 14. These are words that will be part of the background of what Pastor Barry will be sharing with us in just a moment. Uh, Mark chapter 14, uh, starting at verse 26 and going to verse 31. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. So, Father, now we have an extended opportunity to uh, have your word opened up to us, to be given an opportunity to think a little bit more deeply, to have it explained to us. I pray that you would make the book live. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would um, direct our wills to not only hear your word, but to apply it and to do it in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. We gather on this day, this Good Friday, to stand in awe of a death that has cosmic significance because it engages us with the living God. If it does not engage us with the living God, then there really is no point in thinking of it or remembering it. I'll be using the Gospel of Mark from the 14th chapter this morning to expound a few thoughts. The crucifixion of Jesus is where so much of the secret counsel of God, existing unseen in all of eternity past, seen dimly in all of the Old Testament, suddenly becomes visible in this one death. It is a death that draws a line upon which all of humanity is divided between looking upon it with scorn or with faith. And I've been praying for all of us today that we would be people of faith. Would you please also pray for me even as I declare these things that I would be filled with great faith. What I wish to draw our attention to this morning is how Mark describes very clearly and intentionally that Jesus was abandoned by all of his companions. He not only suffered spitting, mocking, beating, but he also suffered a complete desertion of all who knew him. He was left entirely and completely alone. The word alone, of course, has some poignant meaning for us right now in the days in which we are living. It's particularly felt by those who are sick and cannot be attended by loved ones. Just a few weeks ago, one of our parishioners, 92 years of age, succumbed to her age. And it was heartbreaking because she died alone. She died without her family near her in the hospital. And this aloneness is giving us a heightened sensitivity to the thousands of people that are dying in the world right now with this horrific fact that they are not only dying, but they are dying alone. 
God bless and keep safe those medical practitioners that are in close proximity and caring for those that are sick right now. But Mark's story emphasizes the fact that Jesus was abandoned and alone, not for reasons on the horizontal plane or circumstances on the horizontal plane like the flu. Mark's details are intended to show something going on in the vertical plane, something that is truly cosmic in its purpose and scope. And the gospel account is not merely storytelling. It is showing prophecy being fulfilled. And Mark himself isn't merely a biographer. He's giving us interesting details about the, the, the drama, but it is to show something particular about the suffering of Jesus. And that is this message, that, that Jesus is dying according to the fulfillment of prophecy. None of the details surrounding the death of Jesus are, are random events, including his aloneness. They are the fulfillment of prophecies about how the Messiah would die. He would die alone. And Jesus himself, in verse 49 of Mark 14, says, in the circumstances that are about him, he says, let the scriptures be fulfilled. Jesus himself understood that all of the details of, of, the, of the encounters in his sufferings Scripture was being fulfilled, and that includes his aloneness. Listen to just a few of them. Psalm 88.8 says, You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. Psalm 22.6 says, He's scorned by man and despised by the people. Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by men. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. Zechariah 13.7, which was quoted also in this gospel chapter, verse 27, that you will all fall away, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. This is significant because it takes the details of Mark's story, seemingly insignificant or merely anecdotal, and it suddenly the story is tied to something much deeper. It is tied to this thread of prophecy going back a thousand years. It gives a kind of weight to the details of the story to help us to see that the details surrounding the story of our Lord's death were told as the fulfillment of prophecy. Mark isn't merely recording something. He's proclaiming something about Jesus. It has been told beforehand how the Messiah would suffer. He would be abandoned, and for very good reason. And so in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, there's many details here that describe, for good reason, the abandonment of Jesus. The sheep were scattered. Verse 30 says this, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will betray me. His words to Peter. Verse 40 says, He came and found them asleep, for their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. Verse 50 simply says this, and they all fled from him. Verse 52 says, speaking of a young man who was following along and wearing a linen cloth, says that he, that he left the linen cloth and he ran away naked. Verse 65 describes the crowd and they all condemned him as deserving of death. And verse 72 describes Peter's final disavowal of Jesus. And when he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And chapter 15, verse 34, describes Jesus' own cry of desertion, Eloi, Eloi lama sabachthani, where he suffered aloneness briefly, even from the comfort of his heavenly father. 
This is the point that I'd like to get across this morning. It's very simple, but it gets to the heart of the gospel and to the heart of our, our Christian identity. It's simply this, that Jesus was abandoned for good reason. He was abandoned, he was deserted, and he was alone in order to do the work that he alone can do, which is to forgive sinners their sin. Jesus had no companions because even his companions needed to be saved. They needed to be forgiven, actually for the very things that they were doing to Jesus right now. The, the abandonment of Jesus is, is not told by Mark to evoke pity for him. It is not told to shame his companions and for us to say, well, surely we have more courage. Surely we must do better than they did. The point of the story isn't pity, it's awe. The point is to stand in humble awe of the Son of God who now steps away from his companions to do a work that no other person, no man, none of his companions could do. To die a death in which he has no companions. Isaiah 53 said this. It said that, that in, the, in this one's hands, the will of God would prosper. So Mark's gospel is not merely recording history. Mark is recording history to declare something celestial about Jesus. And even in these seemingly innocuous small details, what is declared about Jesus is this, is that Jesus has no peers. In the death that he is to die, he has no companions. In his abandonment, a, a line is drawn, and it's a very significant line, a line that I hope you're familiar with, a line that we must understand and, and grasp the significance of it over and over again. It is a boundary line between us and our Lord. It is a boundary line that is fundamental to our worship. It is a line between God and man. It is a line between the one who alone creates all things and that which he creates. It is a line between sinners and their sin offering. It is a line between the shepherd and his sheep. They are not the same. And so here Jesus as a man is made to be alone from all other men. Because he is the shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep. These men would indeed be courageous for Jesus. They will indeed one day be beaten for proclaiming him. They will indeed be imprisoned. They will in fact even be put to death. They will have a wonderful participation in the proclamation of the gospel. But in the creation of the gospel they have zero participation. See, the gospel has no we in it. Imagine at Pentecost that Peter stood up and said, we're risen. No, it only has a he. Come Sunday morning this week, there will be no we to the resurrection. There will only be a he. He is risen. But today there also must be a he, not a we. He has died. Christ is abandoned and alone for good reason, because he alone will be exalted. These men would proclaim Christ, but not before they would be humbled before Christ. 
These men who would be the first proclaimers of the gospel, not in their wildest imaginations do they see anything that they would ever boast in of themselves. They fled. Imagine Peter on Pentecost declaring the, the he of the resurrection of the gospel and somebody saying, well, Peter, what were you doing on the night that he died? Well, I was busy betraying him. Three times, actually. They fled. See, none of these men had angels announce their birth. None of these men were born of a virgin. None of these men stood in the temple to say, now these words are fulfilled in your midst. None of these men demonstrated their rule over sickness and death in the raging sea. And not one of them by dying would split the temple curtain in two. Not one of them by dying would startle all of nature so that the sun would hide and the earth would shake. All of these men, as every other living creature, had need of his death. Their abandonment is just a little glimpse of how sin affects all people in forsaking God. Sin is an abandonment of God. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We need a savior. We need a death like his. Listen to one of my favorite preachers I was listening to last week. He says this, you will never know Jesus Christ as a reality in your life until you know him as a necessity. The abandonment of Jesus and significance will never be grasp the reality of it until we understand its necessity. We need something so great, so loving, so powerful, so almighty, that no other death could possibly accomplish it. Mark is declaring the separation in the abandonment of Christ, the separation between Jesus and his companions as the gracious and the necessary will of God. The sheep were scattered. The, the Apostle Paul says this to the Corinthian church. When they were squabbling over who was the best apostle, you imagine Paul's exasperation. I would love to see the original parchment as he, as he probably put a little bit of uh, his own spittle on the, on the, on the parchment as he, as he wrote these words of exasperation. He says, was, was Paul crucified for you? Just think about it. Was Paul, did I die for you? And it gets right to the center of the gospel. That a righteous one was crushed, not for his own iniquity, but as a ransom for those that he came to save. Jesus was not lonely in his death. He was obedient in his death by being alone. We are not to pity him. We are to adore him. John Calvin wrote, We will never be clothed with the righteousness of Christ, except we first know assuredly that we have no righteousness of our own. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 puts it this way, familiar words to you, I hope. That for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Why does this matter? It matters because the way that the gospel is proclaimed is affected by the way that the gospel is received. The best proclamation of the gospel comes from those who 
are most humbled by the receiving of the gospel. We must allow Christ to be alone. We must allow him on this day to be marked off. We must allow him to have no companions and understand ourselves of having no companionship with him. No courage. Allow him to be alone in his death so that we have nothing in which to boast. No glory but his to proclaim. And it penetrates. It penetrates deep. It affects deeply how we think about Christ, how we think about ourselves. It is those who grasp the love of God for sinners. It is those who understand their new identity in Christ and the mercy and grace of God in which we have zero participation who can only stand in the presence of him and say, I believe. But then go on to live the life of worship. And it's on the strength of this that the gospel lives in us. It flows out from us. It's, it's made visible by us to others. And a zeal for the gospel can't be manipulated. It can't be manufactured. It must come from feeling its great worth. And so we rejoice at the invitation to come to Jesus. There's a words from an old hymn that I like. It's called, Come Ye Sinners. Come ye sinners, poor and wretched, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, joined with power. He is able. He is able. He is willing. Doubt no more. Come ye weary, heavy laden, bruised and broken by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. Not the righteous, not the righteous. Sinners, Jesus came to call. It is Friday. There is only one body in the grave. Rome has not crucified a group of companions in an insurrection. Rome is crucified by the will of God, the one who was betrayed and abandoned by all in order that he might save all. He is alone in the grave. But Sunday's coming. Would you please pray with me? A gracious Father and almighty God, fill us with faith, I pray. Gather us into your gracious and loving will in your Savior, who in abandonment and aloneness in a grave there suffered all for our sake. May we, in the power of the Holy Spirit, be able to say together today, I believe. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.